0: your host Marcus Cleaver. This week we're looking at the case of Steele and NRAM Limited Scotland and the citation for this case is 2018 UKSC 13. Jane Steele is the full name of the appellant and back in 2007 she was a partner in the law firm Bell & Scott LLP who were also appellants in this case. One of her clients was a man called Hamish Munro and a company that he part owned called Headway Caledonian Limited. The company itself owned a business park in Hamilton that was made up of four units. When that business park was purchased, this was done with a loan and so NRAM, who were previously Northern Rock Asset Management, were granted not only security over the property, but also a floating charge over the assets of Headway Caledonian. Problems began in 2006, when a contract was agreed to sell unit number one and so a request was made to NRAM for this to be released from the security. The arrangement was that this would cost four hundred ninety-five thousand pounds, and the security would remain in place for units number two and four. If you're wondering about unit number three, that had already been sold the previous year. On the day before the sale was due to be completed, Mr. sent an email to get things sorted with NRAM but she accidentally sent deeds that covered discharge of security over all of the units, rather than just unit number one. To compound this, NRAM did not query the deeds, and so they were signed and executed. The mistake, in fact, did not get noticed until 2010, when Headway Caledonian went into liquidation. When it was discovered, NRAM brought the current case asking for damages caused by reliance on Ms. Steele's email. While the Lord Ordinary dismissed the case, on appeal the inner house found for NRAM and awarded damages of more than 350,000 pounds. With the case in the balance, Steele and the law firm she worked for appealed to the Supreme Court. For anyone who has studied law and hears this case, their mind most likely first turns to the famous case of Hedley, Byrne, and Heller from 1964 that establishes the basic principles of liability in cases of misrepresentation that cause economic loss. The essential requirements are for a claimant to have reasonably relied on a representation and for the person making the statement to have reasonably foreseen that they would do so. Down the years, there has been much debate surrounding these principles, and it may be that the law has to still develop further to satisfy more nuanced factual situations. As the justices showed, however, the foundational tenets from Headley Byrne can still be applied to this case in an effective manner. It was not reasonable for NRAM to rely on a statement that had been made by a solicitor working for the other party. And furthermore, there is no reason for Miss Steele to have foreseen that NRAM would rely on the statement she made in her original email. In fact, when we analyse other cases involving the legal profession, it becomes especially clear that it is in no way appropriate for a solicitor to assume such a responsibility towards the opposing side. The elements of the case that were picked out as being relevant by the inner house when they found for NRAM were the comparative expertise of Miss Steele and the firm of solicitors, as well as the fact that NRAM had not engaged their own solicitors when it came to reviewing the deeds. While there does have to be a certain amount of sympathy for NRAM, who have lost out on a significant sum because of an error committed by a third party, this has its limits. Ultimately, the company should have got legal advice and reviewed the deeds before signing them, and their failure to do so was incredibly foolish. Overall, this case itself was correctly decided and the justices were right to allow the appeal. The foundational principles of Hedley, Byrne and Heller stand the test of time and form a solid basis for liability. Is that it then, end of episode? Well, I'm not going to let you go just yet because I think some of the other comments from the lead judgment are worth critiquing in a little more detail. During the early 90s, a number of cases such as Smith and Bush as well as Caparo and Dickman sought to expand on this area of the law by introducing other factors, such as foreseeability, proximity, and the famous fair, just, and reasonable test. In recent years, these factors have been very much neutered by the Supreme Court, and if you want to find out more then check out the episode on Robinson and Chief Constable of West Yorkshire Police. This present case provided an opportunity to double down on this position, and that chance was taken. Lord Wilson held that this does not necessarily preclude future incremental developments in this area of tort law, but the reality is that this is now going to be very difficult to affect and is likely going to only occur in very specific situations. Certainty and stability in the law is important and should not be underestimated, but when that turns into stagnation and has the potential to stymie judges in the lower courts, That has to be a concern. Headley Byrne is a central case when it comes to negligence, and its influence is widely felt in almost all commercial relationships. But that doesn't mean the law in this area should simply have come to a halt in 1964. Well, thank you very much for tuning in to another episode. Thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. Thanks as well to everyone who has a chance to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That's always very much appreciated. In particular this week, thanks to Sentharan Raj, who left a five-star review of the podcast on iTunes. I'll be back with another episode next week, but in the meantime, bye. bye!